Hello, this is Amy Bowen. Welcome to my show, Movie Chat with the Movie Night Crew. This is episode 12, released Sunday, November 3rd, 2019. Thanks for joining me for Movie Chat with the Movie Night Crew, the show where old movies are watched and appreciated, often alongside new ones. The main content of today's episode was recorded May 31st, 2015, and focuses on the 1974 Sean Connery movie Zardoz. In my last episode, I featured Big Trouble in Little China, which was one of the last movies we talked about and celebrated in a Palooza episode of the late great Jack Mangan's Deadpan podcast. Zardoz was the very first movie we ever dedicated a whole Palooza podcast episode to. This was the one that started it all, and I'm delighted to bring you the Movie Night Crew's thoughts on the film. Before we go any further, I cannot emphasize enough that this episode carries the strongest content warning of any episode of my show that exists, and probably ever will exist. To paraphrase other podcasters I've listened to, this episode is hilariously, ridiculously, unabashedly, gloriously not safe for work. It is the number one reason I had to identify this show as explicit in the Apple Podcasts directory. Please do not let your kids or anyone under 18 listen to this episode. Everyone still listening over 18? Okay, on with the show. Here are the Movie Night Crew's thoughts on and reactions to Zardoz. Good evening, everybody. This is Amy Bowen. Welcome back to Movie Chat with the Movie Night Crew. Our featured film for the night is Zardoz. This is it. The original, the very first, the one that started the Palooza tradition. And for for everyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, in uh, early 2007, yeah, probably late... March, April, May, maybe? I'd have to look. I didn't look it up. Of 2007, um, when we were a little over a year into the Deadpan podcast at that point, or close to a year. Uh, Whatever. Um, Or close to a year. We uh, we all, I don't know whose idea it was originally, but we started, we said, let's all watch a movie. And we'll all share our thoughts on it, and we'll devote part of an episode to that. And we called it Zardoz-a-Palooza. And we had so much fun, we decided to keep doing it periodically through the podcast. And we called them all Paloozas, and we had a number of other movies. that we haven't really been maintaining a full list. So we all watched um, Zardoz tonight, and I thought our two best descriptions of it were Logan's Run if it were a fetish film. And visual LS was it LSD or PCB. PCB? Yeah, that's it. Visual PCB. Um, so, if anyone would like to share thoughts, reactions, whatever, um, feel free to just speak up, and I'll direct the mic toward you. Go ahead. 
Where's the mind bleach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, so, I'm still not 100% certain what I just watched. I'm certain there was a message somewhere in there that is significant and thought-provoking. Uh, yeah, it's Rape called... Rape is bad? <laughs> I guess. I mean, the very first thing that you learn is that the penis is bad. Handle bar mustaches rock? <laughs> I think we all already knew that one. Maybe, maybe the answer is to solve all of our world problems, we need to put Sharpie mustaches and goatees on our faces. Would in doubt, time skip pregnancy? <laughs> yeah. When you run out of plot ideas, just keep losing more clothing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I guess there was a bunch of good symbols. <laughs> yes, that's what Zombex did. I, I, I think there's a bunch of good symbolism in there, but at the same time, it gets really lost in the rape and the boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Is it good symbolism scenes? if it's just false? The funhouse scene. <laughs> good well, question. I think what you're dealing with is this, you're talking about 1974. Yeah. And this is real. This is the. Leave them alone. The um, early apex of New Hollywood. This is when you have these independent filmmakers or young filmmakers with independent mindsets with studio-type resources that's, that are saying, okay, we can do anything now. And this is only a couple of years after Deep Throat comes out. So you have this. This is right after Last Tango in Paris. This is just a few years after 2001 A Space Odyssey. And so I think you have this idea that, of Mormons anyway, let's, I'm going to throw everything into a film. I mean, use every capability I have. And really, somebody should have been there to slap his hand and tell him he shouldn't do that. <laughs> um, yes, there is a lot of sexuality, a lot of nudity. That's what people like Roger Ebert were saying, or Pauline Kael, were saying was going to come out of films in the, in the future. We were going to see good films with explicit sexuality. And Borman says, hey, that's a great idea, let's do that. It didn't make a damn bit of sense. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand the, what he was going for, I understand what the themes of the film were, but... He sacrificed. It was a poorly edited film. He's trying mm -hmm. too many conceits, mm -hmm. too many devices. There's the lengthy scene with the mirrored room. That's we we all mark, remarked. My God, that's straight from a Bruce Lee movie. That's straight straight from Enter the Dragon. Um, there are a lot of devices he uses later to better effect, like all the the wading through the veils. Well, that's something he used much better in Excalibur. Um, I know I know what his idea was. He was he was going for a little more earthy, a little more dystopian um, version of 2001 Space Odyssey. Space Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And he, I think he just carried it too far. And there was nobody there to rein him in to say, focus on fewer ideas. Mm -hmm. And it's good God so almighty. He's a Moffat with no RTD. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't know, it really, really seems like somebody had a really good series of ideas for like a futuristic commentary on human ideas and the way that humanism is like progressing and all that but the only way they could get funding is if they promised somebody a lot of porn and so they had to mix in all of these like half naked shots of women and over sexualized scenes to get across and it ended up getting muddled because you I mean, that's just what it seems like. I've absolutely no idea the origins of this thing. But that's what it feels like from a completely third-party perspective, knowing absolutely nothing about anything. Just like, I had this really great idea for a film, but the only way I could get anybody to, you know, produce it and give me funding background is if I promised them a lot of boobs. <laughs> See, and well. that's what I find interesting about it. Because at the same time, 
yeah, there's tits and there's sexual uh, sexualism all just laced throughout the mutant, just moving like no one's business. At the same time, every time we see a pair of breasts, every time we get sexualization in any shape or form, it's lacking the main point of putting something good-looking and sexualized in a movie. It lacks any level of sexiness, of beauty. Mm-hmm. It's just there. Which is why I'm saying tits are just kind of stapled on. Somebody had like a good idea for a commentary, but they had to provide this level of why we need a tick semi-porn for whoever was backing it. So they're like, okay, well, we'll put this in it, and it'll be a an expression of what I'm trying to say about where humanity is going in the future with or, this, mm-hmm. with the vortexes and the immortality and the 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 lack of emotion and all mm-hmm. of these like hive mind things going on but we have to have a bunch of tits in there because you know somebody's got to feel like they're spending their money on something and then it's like are the tits muddling the movie or the mud- movie muddling the tits in terms of like the point <laughs> can i okay can, can i interject something about that this yes. is coming from my complete male chauvinist pig um well whatever you want to call it uh, perspective, but really the, the physiques of most of these models were, shall we say, modest. Yeah. All, all, all the way through. I mean, there there wasn't a side, there wasn't a B cup in the group. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. I mean, is this basically is this symbolic of the sterilization? I mean, these aren't mother mm-hmm. goddess figures. These don't look mm-hmm. like women who are ready to have children for the most for mm-hmm. to, to a large extent. And they aren't. At least not the modern idea. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They aren't. They haven't had any natural-born babies in thousands of years. So hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. Sorry. (laughs) So of course they've evolved to not have breasts. They haven't used them. And also, I noticed that you'll notice in the crowd scenes that all the men and women are all wearing that same style of top, and and it's Mm -hmm. established that they don't um they don't have any they're. All, they're bored with being immortal and don't have any desire for anything at all, especially not sexual desire. They don't care if you see nipples, and they don't uh, they don't care whether they're male or female nipples either. And yet it still takes a while for us to actually see anything. You think there'd be a lot more nudity if that were the ideal. But... Unless modesty has used. become such a thing that it also affects the male characters as well as the female characters. Except for if you have no sexuality, why would there be modesty? Which was, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. If they don't have any sexuality, they don't really have much of a concept of modesty. They probably barely have one. They were probably simply doing what their parents did. Yes, it it, it just mimicked the way that their parents dressed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what we wear because it. Because we're done. Our our, our bodies are just intellect. It's just here. Mm -hmm. And if we decide to kill ourselves because we decided to kill ourselves, we can reconstruct it exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. Now, my honestly, tell me, what's the social commentary? Because it pretty much just went right over my head because I I, I was just completely bludgeoning the face with... Well, I would would, would, would think it would have to do with the concept of humans searching to become immortal and searching to continue ourselves we become so entranced with it's the Ian Malcolm effect you know we're, we're too caught up in whether or not we can and you know whether or not we should is not a question which is actually I think originally a Henry Wu line in the book but 
still. It's it's the thing of it, in our society we're so far into like advancing ourselves and advancing science we're we're losing our actual humanity or actual passion and actually what makes us live, breathe and die. Mm-hmm. And then in the film it becomes, well, we preserve ourselves and we continue on forever, but now we become apathetic, and more and more becoming apathetic, we just stand there and do nothing because it's so boring and stupid. Mm-hmm. In other mm-hmm. words, it's the flip side of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. You know, when Dave hits the monolith and evolves this next form of being, you know, all the scenes of him in this in his bedroom in Jupiter are these very, there's no passion there. It's all this effete, very sterile, very intellectual, very proper existence. He's nothing but superego by that by that point. Mm. And that, maybe that's Borman's little backlash of saying, that's that's not going to work. The savagery, it, it, when, it, when it comes back, is going to infect you and it's going to quicken you. Uh-huh. But, then, but then at the same time, here's the, here's the visual. I, we must have seen, I should have kept track, we must have seen this at least five times in this movie of Sean Connery swimming through humanity, having people press against him and beat him down. How many times have we said that? Four or five times? At least three. Yeah, you're right. At least yeah. three. Yeah, and I'm like, how effective of an anti-hero is this guy when he just keeps getting overwhelmed all the time? I, I, got, I got to say that, uh, that in this particular film, it was not anything about his acting prowess. It was more, he was more of a, a body oh, yeah. just to be what there. Acting? <laughs> I know, exactly, what acting? It's... I'm sorry. He did more acting in Darwin when he was unconscious. That's, There's, yeah. I, I mean, no, no offense to him. I mean, obviously, I think he wanted to have this to be something, and he wanted. I think yes. he did want to be part of something very good. But I think all he managed to do was just have a one shot of him carrying two six guns in a package. I think that's all he ever really came out of it, and that's unfortunate because I think there is something to be said to it. But obviously, it completely fails. It falls flat in his face because the message is completely muddled and unfocused. Yeah, they're, 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 and as an actor, he's not projecting anything. He's not showing the audience anything and the problem is you can throw as much symbolism as you want you can throw as much meta metaphors as you as you can possibly fit into a movie if the characters aren't endearing to me if i don't give a damn about the characters mm-hmm. i'm never going to get the message yes. i'm never going to care about the message yes i mean effectively zed is an, is an uncharacter mm-hmm. i made a comment to amy during the the film that you know when he is revealed to be a mutant who is smarter and stronger and faster than anyone there like mm-hmm. that's an informed ability we yes. haven't seen there's absolutely no that's right not at all he doesn't exhibit anything which what i mean by him he keeps being overwhelmed by people he doesn't he, he, he never he doesn't ever turn, turn into captain america he doesn't mm-hmm. start jumping and throwing spinning kicks or or out thinking anyone at all we're not even shown like he's like a complete and total leader to his group of of brutals, right? I mean, he, he's shown to be good, but it's not like he's not giving any kind of demarcation to show that he's the best of the best, and they all see that he's better than anything that's ever mm-hmm. been before. Although that, I think that that was part of the point, though, is that if I if I'm recalling correctly, that all the brutals had that level of, mu- of mutation, and they so, were all so there was no significance to well, that at all. It could have been any one of them. Well, I think that except for he was the one that made it in. They were mm-hmm. what what they said later is that. They were purposefully breeding the chosen, right? Mm-hmm. So that they right. would mutate, so that they, they would eventually end up with someone ones. who was exactly like Zed is, and mm-hmm. Zed uh-huh. was the one that was chosen mm-hmm. by Zardoz to be the one. Mm-hmm. To yeah, but, become there's, and, but more. there's nothing in his characterization that no. Before that, that they they, they set that up terribly. No, it's, yeah. no yeah, it's they all did right. not show they did. that at all. It's essentially the uh, as you know, Bob and Fodump, you are oh, the yeah. one. 
because you know that you're smarter and better than everyone else. And totally. We know that now. Are you, you're so smart and you're so pro and you're so handsome. You need to do this. I mean, I think I think they were trying to show that he was smarter than all the others because of the, how quickly he was learning to adapt to the lifestyle that they were putting him in. But I don't even see him doing but that. But they though. didn't show enough of him. Not until they already declared it. Of they didn't show enough <laughs> of him as a. Uh, what were they called? Brutal? No, because no, the, the brutals, brutals were, who, not who were killing. That, no, that's not right. The chosen. The chosen. But they the kept chosen. calling him a brutal when he was in. The yeah, vortex. because they decided he was because he mm-hmm. was being brutal. That's but. Oh, she could struggle her. Zardoz called them something else, but I can't remember. But they should have shown more of all the others, showing that they were not as capable of being as smart. Mm-hmm. Well, that goes back to the problem with the first scene, in the first like first half of the movie, is that from the very get go we get jumped into this, the Immortals' world. We never mm-hmm. get a chance to see Zed's world. We never get to see yeah. who the hell. Yeah, really? there's some yeah, moments when we get to see him riding on a horse and shooting people, and but occasionally uh-huh. does that do? And yeah, which that really makes you a sympathetic hero yeah, when yeah, you're really. willing to uh-huh. absolutely rape, and you don't consider it wrong. You don't totally. consider. It... And we and we don't exactly get to see any of. Okay, who are these brutals that they're supposedly killing? What makes them different from the chosen? I mean, we're told kind of, mm-hmm. but we're not actually shown mm-hmm. what the Outlands are like, what the chosen versus exactly. the brutals, yes. how anybody's actually living yes. out there, except for oh, they're forced farmers. My belief is they're that forced they're farmers for Zardoz. For Zardoz, yes, but there's no <laughs> actual like they were farming on their own before for themselves because the brutals. Uh, from what we can see, they were just normal people trying to live at the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Because this was after the world ended. This is like post-apocalyptic. Right. Which mm-hmm. That's why they made the vortex. Mm-hmm. But from what I can tell, they were just people who had to deal with the fact that these guys would just come in with the gift of the gun and start shooting them. Question. So what, what one could assume is that everybody was normal until Zardoz started picking people and... Mm-hmm brainwashing them essentially to just go and kill everyday people and therefore creating a obviously a slavery. I mean that's obviously what this is. Um, I mean less intelligent people. Less intelligent people because all the mm-hmm. except the, for the smartest, most clever and wealthiest were in the vortex. Yes, uh-huh. but at the same time it can't so, be less intelligent because he's pick, clearly picking the smartest well, yes. of them so that they can eventually breed to Zed who's supposed to be smarter than everybody else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which the fact that his name is Zed, Americans probably wouldn't know it because Zed's. As ever, I, I know everybody in this room British knows it's Z in British, British English. English, the alphabet. As in, he's the end. As in the end, etc. But I, I don't know if in 1970s America people. Because he, he's that. a weird conglomeration of like. He's the end, but he's also like. He's the beginning, clearly. Mm-hmm. And he's like some a Jesus figure, but at the same time, he's not. I don't... He's like a combination of both the Destructor and the... Which the I guess I guess is he destroyed how the, the second coming of Christ is often depicted, is that... And they do come in on horseback and start killing everyone after he lets them in. Well, and and he's given them more the ability to... Go to their death, and yes, that and that, that that's very much the, the the trickster archetype is by creating some kind of a great destruction, mm-hmm. ends up giving birth to an entirely new world. Mm-hmm. That being, and I, I see the idea. There's this film is loaded with great ideas for a movie, 
it's it's the old stereotype like when someone says like such 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 a great ball ball team well it's such such a great idea for a ball team but they aren't a great ball team that's what I think that's what I'm seeing with this is it has a lot of tremendous ideas for a film Mm -hmm. but didn't have a story my God, we had it, no idea what was going on. I think it did have a story, but it was about down. twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was 20 about twenty to thirty minutes of a story, yes. and then it was mm-hmm. completely but muddled. So I think, but, but honestly, I think that if someone really wanted to do it, they could probably go through and harvest all the good stuff. Probably, and then and, and then, then actually get rid of all the muddled and stuff. And then if you think about it, sense. though, if you think about it with way they say, oh, they come riding in on horseback, and they do. In theory, mm-hmm. one could then think of this as kind of an after the uh, rapture thing where everybody in the vortex is all the spirits in limbo. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the people who are the brutals are the people who are left on Earth. The people left that. on Earth are being yeah. killed by the horsemen because they're not worthy to go on. And then the people in the vortex have to be, like, purged or made pure or whatever so mm-hmm. that they can go on. Like, they have to be, like, made to see that they they want to go on. Well, so that they, they can cross over and then after all that's done, you can create a new piece, mm-hmm. etc. Et I have absolutely no idea if this was the intention, but one could make that exact end times analogy yep. out of this film if you wanted to, and then add a bunch of boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Such as they were. As there should be at the end times. Come on, hey, let's be honest. little boobs are still boobs. You know you would still appreciate the boobs if they were little in your presence and you were allowed to touch them. Big, small, big nipple, small nipple. You do what you gotta do with what you got. But they're all that. It's a uniform. People aren't that way. But anyway. Well, they all had. One. They used to be more that way. The director I didn't had one time. My size. Sure in there. Let's put it that way. Or Nick's mm. size or my size. I don't well, think anybody in this room is the same size about your planet. That's sad. Nick's size is actually there. about the same size. Maybe Stu. Not as know. lovely though. Not as lovely. So the male body folk in this film <laughs> fit <laughs> the aesthetics <laughs> of the movie. <movies. laughs> I think they're called. No, <laughs> to go back to what you were go- what you guys were saying about story, you're absolutely right. What you, what you are the conventional thing you are supposed to do in a story is show what the protagonist's normal life is like before everything changes and the story starts, and we barely get that. There's the scene with Zardoz talking to all of the chosen ones gets you some idea, sort of, but not much. And it, not when Arthur has just told you that we're so, so, so he is so so about the concept of the penis being evil. <laughs> yeah, by, by the time we cross over yeah, into the I vortex, we're completely don't understand why. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, mention, there's like, like four dudes but, in the no, Sean Connery. This also especially doesn't track because he declares the penis is evil and it shoots <laughs> seeds, etc. And the gun shoots death, and this is good. But then, like, five minutes later, we're given the fact that Sean Connery's allowed to rape any woman on the beach because the Chosen are the ones that are allowed to breed. Mm-hmm. Why are you saying that well, the not penis any is evil? Woman. Not any woman. Well, okay, only, only a chosen women. woman. But still, but still, we're telling the Chosen ones that the penis is evil and the seeds are bad, except for they're allowed to breed. And, and we're never shown, we're never shown the Chosen ones going about and castrating or nullifying any of the brutals, which would make sense. Yeah, well, no, they just kill them. They just kill them, but then why do we have to bother about the penis evil? I have a question. Yeah. What's yeah. what's the point, except for the fact that now we're all shocked about penises being evil? My question is this. If, if your main idea is the penis is evil, then A, why are you using men as your main right. attacking exactly. force? It's not like they were really built any better than a woman could be built. It's no. not like you had like big burly 
you know, giant chin ass. And if you were going to be doing selective reading, you could read some pretty huge, oh, pretty hell yeah. yeah. And if they don't have a penis, Angels and humans, Goliath walking the earth. That's what would be the case. Well, that wasn't the case. That that being said, are they? Do you think they're serious with the penis itself being evil, or is? I mean, Arthur Frames, it's, it's pretty, it's established from the opening shot, which looks just like flipping Plan 9 from Outer Space, that mm-hmm. Arthur Frame is off his rocker. This guy is... Oh, he's nuts. I wanted more of him, by the way. I yeah, wanted that dude. so did I. His dialogue would be the stuff of Jack, this bullshit well, we, legends. Well, honestly, we should have seen something more about this evil penis crap. <laughs> like, Sean Connery should have, like, gone on some kind of, like... Horrible maiming spree once inside the vortex because there was a bunch of non-chosen oh people with penises. Sean like Connery running around with jar I don't know, of penises. He, he would not necessarily have known that once he stepped inside the vortex. He didn't know that that woman, that apathetic, except was going to respond when he first Except for by her. then, he had already read enough to know that nobody. Nobody. <laughs> 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 dog was going for pizza. To know that. To know that. That this, there was something else going on, that he'd been being lied to this entire time, that what he'd been being taught, and this penis is evil, go kill Brutals, that mm-hmm. it was wrong. Right, and he had yeah. a chance mm-hmm. to learn more. So he wanted to go in there and find out, who are these people? Why are they doing this? How do I get revenge? Yeah, but it's what? so... It's so, so like by that, then, he's already enlightened by a, beyond the penis is evil. Yeah, but at the same time, you could still say that... Something that that would have been indoctrinated, more just like earlier. that indoctrinated that yes, you can grab this random woman's boob and that's okay. It's something that you would think you would have some form of reaction to. I have a question though. Yeah. Does he know what a penis is? <laughs> that's true. They could he, they could be saying the word and not actually know. Because if you're living in a society, yeah. even in this day and age, let's say two generations of the anti penis machine. If you've been a fresher. If you ha- they don't if- have that. They don't farm. That's a fair point. They so. don't. They they farm by force by these weird a sticks that they like poke into um, the earth. They mm-hmm. don't do that. Maybe the penis they is actually their left meat. hand, and they're right. just throwing seeds, and that's how. The- no, this is stupid. But they, it's the penis, penis or the gun. That's the only thing they would think. Loaded with seeds. They did say that the penis shoots seed and creates life. Okay, so we're focusing okay. a little too much on penis. This was the very beginning of the film, and it colors the entire following <laughs> film. I know. To yeah, start with this, first you start with this like floating head with a sharpie on beard, and never freaking explain where does he get a sharpie? There's no sharpies in this film. He and used his mind powers. Made and, the and, then, the and then we're really following the penis is evil. Mm-hmm. He's I, from the I vortex. Mean, so he's my, my hypothesis uh-huh. that Arthur Frayne is just having a lark with that. I think that it's a colossal, huge. Joke. He's trolling us. Please. Yeah, yeah. Ar- Arthur Frayne is a damn troll. It's this year, twenty two ninety three. They've got techno- they, 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 they got the star. They've got Star Trek. Te- they have starship technology. They're gonna have <laughs> sharpies for God's sake. And he would need I a sharpie. He's too young for beer. Suggest the technology for sharpies, been, except for a floating stone head. I didn't see. I didn't see the technology. I didn't see. I didn't see any technology even close to Michael Pollan. They don't even. They don't even have machines to make bread. They had giant stones. To turn the wheat 
into exactly. flour to make bread. They were so archaic in the vortex. They chose that. that, that, that I don't think they chose that, that, but why that would they have a sharpie the, that if comes they were the idea, going to make bread in a fashionable way? <laughs> that, because that, 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 that's, all, that's, 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 all an, that's all an expression of this entire idea that so many of these are informed attributes. I mean, they say many times, yeah, we have the technology, we have Star Trek ship technology. We, we have, to the spot we, 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 we have this, we have that. They just don't use it. At second level, they're hive mind. Kind of silly. So uh, this is a, this is ridiculous, but I just had a to add to the ridiculousness. <laughs> it just occurred to me. I was just talking earlier about if they aren't having sex and breeding naturally, then that's why they don't have any boobs. Uh, the men must also not have any testosterone, as was established in a certain scene. They, therefore, they also don't have any facial hair. Well, mm-hmm. some of them, a few of them do, but it seems to be mostly the rent. Not much. It's mostly the older folks. Only isn't when it? they've been aged. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, that, renegade. That is interesting. And who knows or, why or the older the folks who are old, who were too old half. to be properly indoctrinated into the vortex because they were too attached Careful, to buddy. mortality. Oh, it's yes, okay. Yes. At that point. Got it. But it's. But, I, w- I want to go back to the storytelling technique when. Uh, Borman's source material for, and this is a more critique of John Borman in general. Borman's source ma- had great source material for Deliverance. He had this award-winning novel from James Dickey. Borman had great s- source material for Excalibur. You know, everyone knows the Arthurian stories. He had this put together. He had a beginning and an end point. Was there any he source wrote, material for this? He wrote this bad boy from scratch. Oh, I feel like I'm missing like a 300-page novel somewhere in there. Yeah. So some dude just kind of, you know, he. At this point, he's been adapting books all the way. So this dude just kind of had a bender one weekend, wrote a screenplay about five minutes long, and then made a movie out of it. Something like that? Because this is what happens when all you know is adaptations, and then you try to write a movie from scratch. To be fair, adaptations and art, and it's not the artist who can do that isn't necessarily the person who can create it alone. There's a reason why not every Stephen King book should be a movie, and not every Stephen King movie should be a book in some ways. When did this become about Stephen King? Because I no. just now we're talking about adaptation versus original. Because me, Sean, and you're in the room, and therefore it's always about Stephen yeah. King. <laughs> Almost fifty percent of the people in this room are Stephen King. It's either Stephen <laughs> King or Jurassic Park. Savage, join the club. I like Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park well, is good. awesome, and that's Michael Crichton. Yes, it is. <laughs> Would you like to read it for movie. the eighth time? Andy has two new okay. copies. You can give it to you. Okay. You want to wrap it up? Yeah, I think that's. Uh, no, almost almost <laughs> half an hour. This was a fantastic discussion. <laughs> really, really good material. Thank you all for joining me for Movie Chat with the Movie Night crew. Thank you and good night. Let's move on to our next movie. <laughs> Escape from Los Angeles. <laughs> that was a joke. We only actually watched the one movie that night. And by the way, that slightly odd-sounding edit you heard a minute or two ago is only there because the original recording used someone's dead name. That's all I have for this episode. Show notes are at ameliabowen.com. Please post a comment there to let me know what you thought of this episode. Or you may send your feedback and audio comments to amy at ameliabowen.com. I have an open-door policy on content. Next episode we'll be discussing The Big Sleep and The Big Lebowski. Send me content between now and Friday, November 15th, 2019, if you want to be in the show. I'll talk to you next time. Bye! The theme music for Movie Chat with the Movie Night crew is Look Busy by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. 
Show notes for this and all my other podcast episodes can be found at ameliabowen.com.